You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org. You're listening to an audio version of a blog from cornfieldtheology.com. You can check out all the latest content at www.cornfieldtheology.com. Cornfieldtheology.com is a ministry of Redemption Hill Church located in the Des Moines metro. Title, Anthropology 301. Series intro. Every month in 2022, I'll be writing a blog post about anthropology, humanity, and sexuality. This series of blog posts will be used to foster discussion and to drive the reader back to Holy Scripture to learn about God's grand design for men and women. I pray these blog posts will offer greater clarity about God's design for men and women. And I also pray that learning about God's design for men and women will result in worship. This blog post builds off two other blog posts entitled Anthropology 101, and you guessed it, Anthropology 201. Ontology. What is ontology? According to Merriam-Webster, ontology is a branch of metaphysics concerned with the nature and relations of being. Here's an ontological question about humanity. What does it mean to be a man? And what does it mean to be a woman? These are simple questions with profound answers and implications. For the answer and implications, we turn to Holy Scripture. Very good. In the last verse of Genesis 1, we read, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Leading up to the sixth day of creation, God said that everything he made was good. However, after the sixth day, God said the creation of man and woman was very good. God sees something more in man and woman. As I've said in a previous blog post in this series, Man and woman are created in God's image. They are the crown jewel of God's creation, a unique designation. For example, I love my dog Winston. My dog Winston is the best. He is a fantastic dog, and even non-dog lovers can tolerate Winston. But there's a massive difference between the creation of dogs and the creation of man. The, The creation of Winston is good, but the creation of man and woman is very good. After Genesis 1, we read how God created man and woman in more detail. So, in Genesis 2, the meaning and function of marriage takes further shape. God creates man from the dust of the ground. God creates woman from the rib of Adam. Kevin DeYoung summarizes Genesis 1 and 2, and I quote, Genesis 1 describes the making of male and female as a generic act of creation. In the zoom lens of Genesis 2, however, We see that God created each in its own way. The Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground, while the Lord built the woman from the rib he had taken from the man. And then Genesis 2 ends with these words Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. Genesis 2. Verses 24 and 25 are paramount, absolutely paramount. 
How do a man and a woman become one flesh? The math doesn't add up. In a future post, I will spend an entire blog writing about the mystery of marriage and how the mystery of marriage has been revealed in Christ. But let us not put the cart before the horse, right? Before discussing marriage, a word needs to be said about the ontology of a man and woman because without ontological foundations, it's easy to skip past people who will never experience marriage or having children. Before getting into marriage, more ontology. There can be a hyper-focus on marriage and parenting in theologically conservative churches. Even writing that seems anathema, but hang with me. I understand why churches which love to preach God's word are resolute in holding up strong families. A traditional and biblical vision for the family is under attack, and I am sympathetic because of the increasingly devaluing of marriage in the culture, and it's easy to see the culture, the cultural creep into the church. There are many biblical reasons for churches to cultivate strong marriages and families. At present, Redemption Hill Church is going through a DVD teaching on marriage in our community groups. The hope is to see marriages strengthened. The church should not compromise God's design for marriage and families, but must embrace and lean into the beauty of God's design and order. However, it is essential to back up and ask, what does it mean to be a man or woman? The answer to the question has profound and immediate impact on how a person thinks about anthropology in general and marriage, singleness, and parenting more specifically. The fact is, not every man becomes a husband and not every woman becomes a wife. When God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, Genesis 1.28, not every married couple can produce children. Therefore, defining what it means to be a man or woman is not necessarily tied to marriage or having children. A man or woman who is not married uh, not, does not suggest they are of lesser value or dignity. A married couple who does not have children are still made in God's image. All of this can be stated while at the same time upholding marriage as good, beautiful, and worthy to pursue. So, what can be a working definition for a man and a woman? Over the years, there have been multiple attempts to define manhood and womanhood succinctly. Of course, some definitions are better than others, but I appreciate the approach of Patrick Schreiner. He wrote an article in cbmw.org entitled, Man and Woman Toward an Ontology. His definitions of manhood and womanhood are as follows. First, here's manhood. And I quote, the fundamental meaning of masculinity is sonship, brotherly love, and potentiality toward paternity. Now here's the definition of womanhood. The fundamental meaning of femininity is daughterhood, sisterly love, and potentiality toward maternity. These definitions focus on what makes man and woman similar and distinct. In one sense, all Christians are children of God. But more specifically, a man is a son of God, and a woman is a daughter of God. Schreiner focuses on the importance of the spiritual family. God is a father who adopts sons and daughters. Schreiner also focuses on brotherly and sisterly love. Love transcends a person's age or marital status. Schreiner says he includes love because it is the supreme virtue in the Bible. Now compare Schreiner's definition with the definitions of John Piper. Piper states, and this is the definition for manhood, 
At the heart of mature masculinity is a sense of benevolent responsibility to lead, provide for, and protect women in ways appropriate to a man's differing relationships. Now here's his definition for womanhood. At the heart of mature femininity is a freeing disposition to affirm, receive and nurture strength and leadership from worthy men in ways appropriate to a woman's differing relationships. The definitions by Piper are biblical and true. They affirm the roles of a man and a woman. But Schreiner rightly steps back and attempts to show us the foundations of manhood and womanhood. Perhaps it's helpful to use first Schreiner's definition as the foundation and Piper's definitions as the practical implications of the foundation. Nonetheless, Schreiner's definitions create an easier on-ramp to biblically talk about singleness and marriages without children. Schreiner, Schreiner's ontological definitions capture all people who are in Christ, including singles and marriages without children. The value of singleness. In 1 Corinthians 7, Paul lays out the pros and cons of marriage and singleness. His sentiment is crystallized in verse 38. So then, he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 38. The same guy who wrote 1 Corinthians also wrote the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians 5, we read, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, Paul says, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Ephesians 5, verses 31 and 32. Two ideas can be true at the same time. There is a value to singleness. The cares and worries of marriage are non-existent when a person is single. A single person is free to serve the Lord in ways that a married couple cannot, and vice versa. One cannot help but think that Paul was speaking from personal experience. Here's the other idea. Marriage is a beautiful reflection of Christ, the bride, and the church, the bridegroom. The mystery of two becoming one makes sense in light of Christ and the church. But for the married and the single, there is equality in sonship and daughtership before God. Therefore, the single person should not be viewed as less than the married. A husband and wife without children. The same holds for a husband and wife without children. Are children a blessing from the Lord? Psalm 127 verse 3. Without a doubt. Are parents called to raise children in the knowledge of the Lord? Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 to 9. Absolutely. The command to be fruitful and multiply comes with great reward and challenges. However, the essence of manhood and womanhood does not change with having children. In other words, a person's ontology does not change with the presence or absence of children. Imago Dei plus in Christu. The foundation of a Christian's ontology can be summed up with a Latin and a Greek term. In Latin, Imago Dei means image of God. Every human being is made in God's image. No exceptions. The Greek term is in Christu, which means in Christ. Not all people are in Christ. The former and the latter are essential to understanding Christian ontology. Taken together, we see a beautiful picture of the nature and essence of a Christian. If you read Genesis 1, and then you read Ephesians 1, you will begin to see the fundamentals of Christian ontology. 
You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org. 